0: It's been a great week, hasn't it guys? Yeah. Right? God's doing a lot of amazing things. Um, if you didn't hear, my name is David Collins. Um, I'm so excited to be up here and speak to you guys. Um, I'm just really excited to tell you guys what God has written on my heart and has told me to tell you. Uh, first off, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I'm 18 years old. I just graduated from Northview High School. So Go Titans. Right? Yeah? Uh Uh-huh? Oh, there's so many. Oh, my gosh. They're everywhere. I actually never went to that school. I never stepped foot in any of the classes. Um, I actually went to Johns Creek, so go GLADS, right? Yeah! Uh, Freshman, sophomore year, went to Johns Creek High School. Then I was like, eh, I I think I'm going to try another high school. Went to Providence Christian Academy, so go STORM. Uh, Then I decided I wanted to dual enroll, take some college classes. Thought I was done with high school. So I uh, did that, but Providence was like, yeah, you're not allowed to do that at this school. So I moved to Northview, and I never actually took any classes there. Showed up at graduation, took my diploma, and turned around and saw everybody going, who is that kid? <laughs> um, so that was, that's an interesting thing about me. Uh, next, uh, I have a picture of my family. There is a lot of us, as you can see. There's nine. I don't even know if you can see who I am. I have really short hair in that picture. Um, I've I've dedicated myself to growing all this out since then. So it's all for you guys. Um, Not really. There's nine of us in uh, in our family, starting from left to right. All the way on the left is my mom. Uh, Then my youngest brother, uh, Brandon. My dad, Hannah, who is above me. Andrew who is the oldest Christina is Above Hannah (laughs) Daniel is above her I am the Third youngest And then Brooke who is the second youngest So there's a lot of us The house is always crazy Um, Our house really isn't Big enough for nine people If we're being honest Uh, It gets really loud People are fighting to get heard Um, Other stuff about me Uh, I'm going to Auburn next year. So War Eagle. Um, For me, seriously. Um, I love sports. Um, I'll play sports any chance I can get. I love, love, love to just get out and play sports. really love soccer, as you can see by my soccer jersey. Arsenal is the best team in the world. Not really, but I really wish they were, because I like them. Um, So, that's enough about me. Um, Time to get into my talk, but first, uh, if you guys would just bow and a word of prayer with me. Um, Dear Lord, uh, I thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given me to be here. um, To be a tool used by you, Lord. Um, I pray that everyone in this auditorium would know... um, that anything that's good out of this talk, that it comes from you. That no one will be praising me, but that all the glory would be to you, Lord. Um, I'm up here trusting you that you would work through me um, as your humble servant. Um, And I'm trusting you with the results in all of these people's lives, Lord. You're the one who does the work. I just have to show up. So I pray that you would be working. Um, Amen. All right. So to start off, tell you a little bit about what we're we're talking about tonight. We're talking about living life. Cool. Oh, there it is. Thanks, guys. Um, Living life in light of eternity, and what this means is that living—you're living your life through an eternal lens. So everything you do, you're looking towards eternity and that day when you will see Jesus. You want what you're doing now to bring you reward when you get there and what you're doing now to stand up for eternity. Um, Paul, um, who is an apostle uh, of Jesus, wrote a lot of books of the New Testament. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, He wrote Philippians and that's where our main verse tonight is going to come out of. Um, Philippians was a letter written to a church that he planted in Philippi, Um, and the book is about a lot of different things, but the specific verse that I'm going to read is about eternity, um, like I talked about, so I'm going to go ahead and read that verse, if you could put it up on on the screens, it's a little long, so bear with me, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining for, towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of, for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorified body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So I know that's a long verse, and I'm kind of going to dissect it as I go throughout my talk, uh, pick out certain parts that I'm going to talk about. First of all, I want to talk about how Paul used the words goal and prize when he was talking about the day when he met Jesus in eternity. He was saying that he was straining towards that goal and that prize. Do we often see that as a goal? Do we say, that is all I want? Like in sports, you score a goal. That's the main purpose of that game is to score the goal. Do we think our main purpose is to build something that will last for eternity? And a prize, something that you get in reward, do we think of that as a prize? Or do we think, I have too many things here on earth, I don't want to go there, I don't want to die. I don't want to see Jesus yet. I have too many things here. Secondly, I want to point out in this verse, Paul said to imitate him. Now, how many of you have ever told anyone to imitate you in doing anything? Hands. Yeah. Yeah. A good bit of people, right? Okay, here's my second question. How many of you have ever told anyone to imitate you in the way that you live your life? Not many hands. It's probably, that's, that's what I thought. Um, it's a bold thing to say. It's crazy almost. But that's how sure Paul was about this point. He wanted us to follow him And setting our eyes on the goal of eternity and building things that will last for eternity. The next thing in this verse that I want to point out is that he talks about forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what is ahead. This is hard. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, I pretty much forget what's behind me. But how often do we look back and say oh, yeah, that that thing in my past, that really good thing or that traumatizing thing affects the way that I act now, affects what I'm going to do in my future. And I'm not saying that that's not true, that that doesn't happen. It does. Those things tempt us to live a certain way. But what I am saying is that when we look forward, when we look to eternity, that should impact the way we live our life right now so much more than what our past has for us. We shouldn't be looking back there. We shouldn't be looking around. We should be full-on, head-focused on eternity. Now, what, another thing that's really cool about this verse is that Paul uses a lot of uh, language and words that back then they would say he was describing a race. He was describing a runner and a race. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever ran track. I ran track in eighth grade. That was kind of a big deal. Eighth grade track is uh, pretty competitive, especially at a small Christian school. Um, so, that was kind of a big deal. Not really. Um, it doesn't matter. So, uh, for this story, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so, any of you who have run track know the feeling of coming and turning around the last turn and seeing the finish line with your eyes. And all you're saying when you see that finish line is that I'm going to do everything I can to finish well. Paul says to strain towards the goal. When someone is straining, they're they're not taking it easy. They're using everything, every single muscle in their body to get to that moment. He's saying that It's not only going to be hard physically to live a life that is focused on eternity. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to strain mentally, physically, and spiritually. It's not easy. Now, a lot of you are like, well, yeah, I don't really look forward that much. Why is it so hard for us? It's because it's so far away for us, it seems. It seems that eternity is so far off in the future that we don't need to worry about it. And eternity is something that's so hard for us to grasp mentally that we just don't like to think about it most of the time. But right now, I'm going to bring out an illustration um, that will hopefully change our thinking and help us to realize really how big eternity is, um, give us a good view of it. So give a hand to my... my helpers who are helping me here. Okay. So, this rope, this insanely long rope, this is a timeline of our existence. Think of it as a timeline of your own existence. Now, this black part in my hand right here, I don't know if you can see it. It's kind of dark over here. Anyway, um, this is our life here on earth. This is it. This is all we have compared to all of this for eternity. And imagine it doesn't end over there. Imagine it goes on forever. But this is all we have here on earth. And it's so crazy because all we ever want to do when we're here is be comfortable for this. We say, oh, I'm going to work so hard right here, right here. I'm going to make a lot of money so I can can really enjoy this part. But what about this? It's crazy that we even think like that because it's pretty much the same principle as saying I'm going to work really hard right here for all of this, but I guess it's just more tangible to think of it like that. It's crazy how we strive so hard to be comfortable right here. But why do we do it? You guys can, can drop the rope and leave. <laughs> um we do it because we're sinful, obviously. We lose sight of what God wants for us, and we just want to be comfortable for ourselves. I mean, it's, it's the American dream, isn't it, to make money, live comfortably? It's kind of ironic. I want to read a quote from C.S. Lewis that really captures everything that I'm trying to say tonight. I love C.S. Lewis. Great guy. Nate used some of his stuff earlier. He was incredibly wise, and all of his quotes seem to just really mesh well, and I like them. So, here, here it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, which will be heaven, that they have become so ineffective in this world. It's perfect. He's saying, when we think of the world to come, we become so much more effective in doing work for the kingdom here so that we can see it in eternity with us. But when we lose sight of it, we're not very effective in this world because we can't weigh our options very well when we don't think about eternity. Now I want to go back to comfort. Um, living a life of comfort here and how it, it's, it's such a temptation for us especially in America because I wake up every single day well, most days in my house in my bed in my room go down to my kitchen get breakfast I'm not out on a hunt trying to get breakfast or anything like, like that it's right in front of me most of the time sit down on my couch watch the TV shows that I want to watch the movies that I want to watch, the ones that are my favorites. And eventually we get so comfortable when everything is ours. And we have so many things here that, that we don't really want to see Jesus anymore, just like I said at the beginning. There comes a point where it's hard. It's hard for us to say, I want, to, I want that day. I want that day to come. It's, it's hard for me. Guys, I'm up here and I'm no different than any of you. The only difference from, between me and you is that God slapped me in the face with this a long time ago and maybe he's doing it right now for you. I don't know. And he said, you have you have to get this out. Okay, I want to polish this, this point off with a part of the verse which says... Um, See if I can find it. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, this isn't all bad news. If you believe that he died, you're still going to make it there. And, you, and a, a Savior awaits you, one who died on the cross for you and loves you more than you could ever imagine. I do want to give a warning to you guys, though. If you look at the tower over there, there's a cross right in the middle of it, and you're probably thinking, wow, I'm really at a Christian conference because they put a cross right in the middle of it. That's pretty dumb. They couldn't think of anything better, but that, that's all I could come up with, sorry. Um, no, but really, it's, it's so important, because as we're trying to build up things here that will last for eternity, like I like I've keep saying over and over... Um, Without that cross in the middle of it, that's going to fall over. Just as Reagan said on Tuesday night, when we try and build things up without God, they're going to collapse on us. Now, the tower has changed a lot over the week. It started as a perfect tower that God had created with all of these great things on it. Then Tuesday night, it was this shaky, uneven um, thought it was going to fall at any minute, kind of thing. And Reagan eventually pushed it over to show that we all collapse. On Wednesday, it was in pieces. And it wasn't very pretty. But God sees us like we're that tower. And He says, I want to redeem them, I want to make that beautiful. He takes us from our wreckage and makes us beautiful, even though we sin. We turn our back on him. We say, God, I, I think I know what I'm doing. Uh, you, you can just stay over there. like Don't worry about it. When we say things like that, and he still sends his son to die on the cross for our sins, it's crazy. The love is insane. If you can really wrap your mind around that, it should be pouring out of you. You should be Literally, everybody should see you and go, what is wrong with that person? Because they're so loving to other people. But it's only because you've been loved that much. And I guarantee you, you could not love somebody as much as Jesus does. So if we can get even a fraction, we'd be on the right path. So now, he's built us up. He's built us up in something more beautiful than we could ever imagine. And I'm saying that because I built that tower. And it looks good. Um, No, but really, God is building us into something so much more beautiful than we could ever imagine. And he's giving us a blank slate. There's no words anywhere on that tower. It's because all the sin is gone. Jesus died for that sin. It's over. Next time you sin, don't look back at it. Because that's what Paul is warning us of. He's saying, don't look at that. You're forgiven for that. Look towards the future. That should be driving your actions. The future should be driving your actions. Now, right now, you might be sitting in your seats and saying, okay, David, like, I'm, on, I'm on board. All right, but what, what in the world am I supposed to build? Like You keep talking about building things up, but you're not giving us anything to build. I don't know what to do. I don't have a great answer for you, but I do have one that's going to take a lifetime to accomplish. So I think you'll all be fine. Um, the simple answer is, is that people are, are going to be in heaven with us. And those are the things that we can build up. Other people. I'm no genius theologian. I don't know exactly everything that's going to be in heaven. But I'm sure that I'm not going to be there alone. There are going to be people there with me. So while we're here, we should be building other people up. We should be showing them the love of Jesus so that maybe one day we'll see them in eternity with us. But how do we do this? How do we love other people well? Well, or how do we be used by God even to do it because we can't do it on our own? There's a few things that the Bible says very, very clearly. First of all, that God uses humble, and broken people. If you guys could put the verse up there. Yes. Um, okay. This verse is perfect. It says, All these things my hands have has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my words. Guys, God uses broken people. But God uses broken people so that he can rebuild us. And we'll be saying the whole time, I could not have done that by myself. All of the glory should be to him. None of it to ourselves. That's why he uses broken people because that's where the most glory comes from for him. Next point. Love others. I already said it earlier. It's the golden rule, love God, love others, but really love others. If you understand what Jesus has done for you, if you understand that he has died on the cross, went through the most agonizing pain for you, someone who spit and mocked at him and said, I don't need you, that should come out. You should be saying, I don't understand this love, but I have to share with other people. The Bible says in John, I think. Yes, John. um, That Jesus said that he will know his disciples. They will know his disciples by the way that they love one another. By the way they love one another. So that means, by the way each one of you loves each other, people on the outside... see that and say, I want that. Have you ever been on the outside of a crowd of people or a group of friends that really loves each other and you say, man, I just, I don't know why, but I really want to be friends with those people. I really want to get to know those people. And if you really think about it, you'll realize it's because you want to be loved like they love their friends. And when people from the outside see us loving each other, they want part of it. Because not Nobody doesn't want to be loved. This also brings in a point of community. We have to have a solid community here. Emily talked about community on Monday night. Um, Talked about perfect community with God. And how we had a perfect community. Um, And we're made for community. We are made to walk side by side with other people in Christ. Because we can't do it on our own. And it's so easy to walk away from him and say, I don't need you. But in that time, we need people who are willing to step in and speak truth to us when we don't want to hear it. Step in and speak truth to us when we're saying terrible, terrible, terrible things to them because we do not want to hear it. And not only do you get to have the, have the um, I don't know, be able to get people to tell you that, whatever um but you also get to be that for other people it is such a great blessing to be able to speak truth into somebody's life when they're hurting for me i was so blessed with community during high school um i got a a group of guys we meet every monday night um to this ministry called Iron and Fire. Uh, Yeah, shout-outs everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, And I've had the the blessing of being able to walk through life with them, and in times when I don't want to listen to God, they're there to back me up and give me truth. They know that I don't want to hear it, but they know that I need it. And I want that for all of you guys. Because of the impact that it's been in my life. I know that I definitely would not be up here on stage talking to you. Probably would not be a Christian if it wasn't for the people who are closest to me. Pushing me back. Saying that you are worthy. That God does love you. Bad things don't just happen. They're for a reason. Things like that. My next point is to be outward focused. Outward focused. Now, it kind of sounds like, oh, you know, be churchy and network-focused and love other people, right? Um, but that's not really what I'm saying. What I'm really saying is stop being so selfish and stop thinking about yourself. Don't, don't ever say to God, God, uh, I, I really don't think I can do this. Um, have you seen all the times I've sinned in the past week? All of the times I have skipped quiet times to go play video games or something. All the times that I didn't pray to you and I should have. And at that point, you're thinking, this is a good excuse. God will understand. He knows. But it's not. What you're saying is, God, I don't think you're strong enough to work through me right now. I don't think you have enough power to work through me because of what a terrible person I am. But that's just not true. The same power that can move mountains, the same power that rolled the stone away, like we were singing earlier, is alive in us today. Crazy. Crazy to think about. But we don't want to. We don't want to have it because we're scared of what might happen. But if we really are humble about it and say, it doesn't matter what I do, all I have to do is show up, and God will do the rest, it gives so much peace. I don't think I could be up here on stage right now if I didn't believe that. I would be shaking, throwing up backstage. They would have to, like, wheel me out here or something. I don't know. Um, to end this talk, I want to I tell a story about myself, um, about a time when I didn't listen to God. It was about maybe three months ago. Gold Rush Servant Team sign-ups come around. And I'm like, well, I was on speaking team last year. But last year I was like, yeah, go God. I'm going to do things for you, and it's going to be awesome. And this year, I was like, "Well, I'm not really a good Christian right now. Don't have very many quiet times. Don't pray. All the all the stuff that I was telling you earlier, all the lies." And I was like, "Okay, I'm not going to sign up for it. Didn't sign up for it. Signed up for some other uh, team where I don't have to be up in front of everybody else." (sighs) Then a few weeks later, the first meeting comes by. I'm like, "I gotta speak." But that was my pride. I was like, I don't I'm not gonna go through Gold Rush and not speak. I did it last year. So then I was like, uh, pride. Okay, definitely can't do it. Definitely can't get up on stage if I'm so prideful about it. So another week went by, maybe, and God taught me this. He taught me all of this. And I was like, what? This is literally exactly what I was saying to God was not right. I was saying, you can't work through me, all that stuff. And then he teaches me this. Usually he'll be like, oh, just like come back and it'll be okay. No, he's like, I'm going to teach you this and you're going to go talk about it at Gold Rush. And I was like, no. I was so mad. Mostly because I had just been slapped in the face. I didn't want to hear any of this from God. Because it was the exact opposite of my excuse to get out of getting up here on stage. Guys, don't let that happen to you be broken, be humble, be listening for God to use you. To use you to make something that will be beautiful for eternity. Because when you get there, you want to be rewarded. You want to see something and say, I took part in that, and now I'm seeing it here in eternity. And that will, <laughs> I can't even imagine the feeling that that would bring. God said that there's a huge party whenever one person Wanders into the kingdom of heaven. What if you brought that one person in? Jeez. It would be a pretty big party. And it would be amazing. So don't miss out on it. Know the love that God has for you in sending his son. Let that overflow into loving others. And build something that will last for eternity. Now I'm going to bring up the quote one more time. I want to read it so you guys can think about it a little bit. Really ponder this one. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. If you'll bow, bow your heads with me, I'd like to close in a word of prayer dear Lord um, thank you so much for this opportunity to come up here and speak in front of all these people Lord I pray that everything that was from you will be remembered and anything from me will be washed away Lord I trust you that you're working in these these people's lives that you're softening their hearts for this message and that it will be truly heart and life changing I pray that they would know the love that you have for them and that would overflow into their actions and that they would someday be able to get to heaven and say, look at that person who I brought here with me. Look what I did that will matter for eternity. I thank you so much, Lord, for giving me this opportunity. Amen. Amen.